0: CHAPTER 41 OF THE QUEEN'S NECKLACE BY ALEXANDRE DUMAS, TRANSLATED BY HENRY L. WILLIAMS. THIS LibriVox RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FACES UNDER THEIR MASKS Two hours had elapsed, and the conversation still continued. The cardinal was now the slave, and Jean was triumphant. Two men often deceive each other as they shake hands, a man and a woman as they kiss, but here each only deceived the other because they wished to be deceived each had an end to gain and for that end intimacy was necessary the cardinal now did not demonstrate his impatience but always managed to bring back the conversation to versailles and to the honors which awaited the queen's new favorite she is generous said he and spares nothing towards those she loves she has the rare talent of giving a little to everyone and a great deal to a few you think then she is rich she makes resources with a word or a smile no minister except perhaps Turgot, ever refused her anything well said madame de lamotte i have seen her poorer than you think what do you mean are those rich who are obliged to impose privations on themselves privations what do you mean dear countess i will tell you what i saw i saw the queen suffer do you know what a woman's desire is my dear prince no countess but i should like you to tell me well the queen has a desire which she cannot satisfy for what for a diamond necklace Oh i know what you mean the diamonds of monsieur burmer and bossange precisely that is an old story countess old or new it is a real vexation for a queen not to be able to buy what was intended for a simple favorite fifteen more days added to the life of louis the fifteenth and jean Vaubernier would have had what marie antoinette cannot buy my dear countess you mistake the queen could have had it and she refused it the king offered them to her and he recounted the history of the ship of war well said she after all what does that prove that uh, she did not want them it seems to me Jean shrugged her shoulders you know women and courts and believe that the queen wanted to do a popular act and she has done it good said the cardinal that is how you believe in the royal virtues ha skeptic saint thomas was credulous compared to you skeptic or not i can assure you of one thing that the queen had no sooner refused it "'than she earnestly desired to have it. "'You imagine all this, my dear Countess, "'for if the Queen has one quality more than another, "'it is disinterestedness. "'She does not care for gold or jewels "'and likes a simple flower as well as a diamond.' "'I do not know that. "'I only know she wishes for this necklace.' "'Prove it, Countess.' it is easy i saw the necklace and touched it where at versailles when the jewelers brought it for the last time to try and tempt the queen and it is beautiful marvelous i who am a woman think that one might lose sleep and appetite in wishing for it Alas. Why have I not a vessel to give the king? A vessel? Yes, for in return he would give me the necklace, and then you could eat and sleep in peace. You laugh. No, really. Well, I will tell you something that will astonish you. I would not have the necklace. So much the better, Countess, for I could not give it to you neither you nor anyone that is what the queen feels but i tell you that the king offered it to her and i tell you that women like best those presents that come from people from whom they are not forced to accept them i do not understand you well never mind and after all What does it matter to you since you cannot have it oh if i were king and you were queen i would force you to have it well without being king oblige the queen to have it and see if she is angry as you suppose she would be the cardinal looked at her with wonder you are sure said he that you are not deceived and that the queen wishes for it intensely listen dear prince did you tell me or where did i hear it that you would like to be a minister you may have heard me say so countess well i will bet that the queen would make that man a minister who would place the necklace on her toilet within a week oh countess i say what i think would you rather i kept silent certainly not however it does not concern you after all it is absurd to suppose that you would throw away a million and a half on a royal caprice that would be paying too dearly for the portfolio which you ought to have for nothing so think no more of what i have said the cardinal continued silent and thoughtful you despise me now continued she you think i judge the queen by myself so i do i thought she wanted these diamonds because she sighed as she looked at them and because in her place i should have coveted them you are an adorable woman countess you have by a wonderful combination softness of mind and strength of heart sometimes you are so little of a woman that i am frightened at others so charmingly so that i bless heaven and you for it and now we will talk of business no more so be it thought jean but i believe the bait has taken nevertheless indeed although the cardinal said speak of it no more in a few minutes he asked does not bohmer live somewhere in the Quai de la feria near the pont neuf yes you are right i saw the name on the door as i drove along Jean was not mistaken the fish had taken the hook and the next morning the cardinal drove to monsieur bohmer he intended to preserve his incognito but they knew him and called him monseigneur directly well gentlemen said he if you know me keep my secret from others monseigneur may rely upon us what can we do for your eminence i came to buy the necklace which you showed her majesty really we are in despair but it is too late how so it is sold impossible as you offered it only yesterday to the queen who again refused it so our other bargain held good and with whom was this bargain it is a secret monseigneur too, too many secrets monsieur Burma, said he rising but i should have thought that a french jeweler would prefer selling these beautiful stones in france you prefer portugal very well monseigneur knows that cried the jeweler well is that astonishing no one knew it but the queen and if that were so said monsieur de rohan without contradicting a supposition that flattered him ah that would change matters why so sir may i speak freely certainly the queen wishes for the necklace you think so i am sure of it then why did she not buy it because she has already refused the king and she thought it would look capricious to buy it now but the king wished her to have it yes but he thanked her for refusing therefore i think she wishes to have it without seeming to buy it well you are wrong sir "'I am sorry for it, Monseigneur. It would have been our only excuse for breaking our word to the Portuguese ambassador.' The cardinal reflected for a moment. "'Then, sir, let us suppose that the queen wishes for your necklace.' "'Oh, in that case, Monseigneur, we would break to anything that she should have it.' "'What is the price?' one million five hundred thousand franc how do you want payment the portuguese was to give one hundred thousand franc down and i was to take the necklace myself to lisbon where the balance was to be paid well the one hundred thousand franc down you shall have that is reasonable as for the rest your eminence wishes for time this such a guarantee we should not object only credit implies a loss the interest of our money must be considered well call it one million six hundred thousand franc and divide the time of payment into three periods uh, making a year that would be a loss to us sir <laughs> nonsense if i paid you the whole amount to-morrow you would hardly know what to do with it there are two of us monseigneur well you will receive five hundred thousand francs every four months that ought to satisfy you monseigneur forgets that these diamonds do not belong to us if they did we should be rich enough to wait they belong to a dozen different creditors We got some from Hamburg, some from Naples, one at Buenos Aires, and one at Moscow. All these people wait for the sale of the necklace to be paid. The profit that we make is all that will be ours, and we have already had it two years on hand. Monsieur de Rohan interrupted him. After all, said he, I have not seen the necklace. True, monseigneur, here it is it is really superb cried the cardinal it is a bargain yes monseigneur i must go to the ambassador and excuse myself i did not think there was a portuguese ambassador just now monsieur de souza arrived incognito to buy this necklace yes monseigneur oh poor souza i know him well said he, laughing. "'With whom am I to conclude the transaction?' asked M. Boehmer. "'With myself. You will see no one else. Tomorrow I will bring thee one hundred thousand francs, and will sign the agreement. And as you are a man of secrets, Monsieur Boehmer, remember that you now possess an important one.' "'Monseigneur, I feel it, and will merit your confidence and the Queen's.' M. de Rohan went away happy, like all men who ruin themselves in a transport of passion. The next day, M. Boehmer went to the hotel of the Portuguese ambassador. At the moment he knocked at the door, M. Beausire was going through some accounts with M. Du Corneau, while Don Manuel was taking over some new plan with the valet, his associate. M. Du Corneau was charmed to find an ambassador so free from national prejudice as to have formed his whole establishment of Frenchmen his conversation was full of praises of him. "'The Souzas, you see,' replied Beaucaire, "'are not of the old school of Portuguese. "'They are great travellers, very rich, "'who may be kings if they liked.' "'And they do not?' "'Why should they? "'With a certain number of millions, "'and the name of a prince one is better than a king?' "'Ah! Portugal will soon become great "'with such men at its head. "'But—' when is the presentation to take place it is most anxiously looked for the people around begin to talk of it and to collect about the doors of the hotel as though they were of glass and they could see through do you mean the people of the neighborhood asked Beausire, and uh, others for the mission of monsieur de souza being a secret one you may be sure the police would soon interest themselves about it and look continued du Corneau, leading beausire to the window do you see that man in the brown surtout how he looks at the house yes he does indeed who do you take him to be probably a spy of monsieur de crosny however between ourselves monsieur de crosny is not equal to monsieur Sartineux did you know him no ah he would have found out all about you long ago in spite of all your precautions a bell rang his excellency rings said beausire who was beginning to feel embarrassed by the conversation and opening the door quickly he nearly knocked down two of the clerks who were listening end of chapter forty one recording by john van stan savannah georgia